Welcome to The Rock Play, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and joining me today, bust out the streamers and party hats because it's the one-year anniversary of his first Aww. ever appearance on The Rock Play, and it's Justin Hausman. God, is it really? It was the 27th, so, you know. Oh, my God. We're going to be dead in, like, five minutes. I- <laughs> How is that possible? It's been a year, man. Jeez. I mean, it's, it's tomorrow will probably be a year when we recorded. The, the episode came out on the 27th last year. I checked it that, out this it morning. I thought it was like actually earlier been, in February. It, uh, the only reason that makes it all that makes sense to me at all is I remember talking to you on the phone about doing this with you and like walking through the park downtown and it was super wet. Uh, so like uh-huh. it's probably cold and dewy. So obviously like wintertime. But oh my god, I can't believe it. Honestly, it, I mean that's great. It feels like we've feels like we've been doing this forever, but it also feels like we've only been doing it for like a week. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, but. Amazing. Well, that's, I guess that's a good thing. You know? I think it's a good thing. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. A lot of milestones this week. You know, Patty hit five times, you that's know, awesome. for, um, yeah. you don't, you don't count cause you're a co-host, but like, so as, as a guest, he's hit the five timer club earlier this week mm-hmm. and came on to talk about mm-hmm. some winter sure he's, stuff. He's basking in his jacket or sweater or whatever he, he hopefully will received. Yeah. If you go on, uh, the rock fight website, I made a little Canva, like fake, you know, trophy five timers yeah, club with Patty that. on yeah, it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> but yeah, he'll be the also, he'll also be the first six timer. And the first seven, I guess that's how that works. You know what? Everybody else that gets the five, anyone else that gets to the five timer club, if they get a trophy or any kind of anything, it should just be a mustache, like a golden mustache. Oh, that's I'm writing that down. If you're listening and you don't know, Patty's mostly famous for his giant, beautiful mustache. Before we get into even like America's favorite podcast segment, I got called out by by a friend who listened to last week's episode. And uh, my couple people actually Uh-oh. who were bummed that I didn't relay uh, my, the what, what we call the Rainier poop bag story. Oh, and, oh, um, this is like a personal story. Well, I was there, but I wasn't. It wasn't my poop bag. But I had a couple of people ping me like, I can't believe you didn't tell the story when you were talking about uh, the the poo bags on Everest. If you didn't listen last week, we talked about how you have to pack up pack out your your poo on on Everest now, and so. In 2006, I was climbing Rainier. I was working for Timberland at the time, and it was a pretty epic climb because we we sponsored Ed Veesters, so he was one of our guides, and Peter so Whitaker, who we went with, was that? It's just wild. I mean, like, yeah, and the he's, guy. he's like the most unassuming guy yeah. of all time, too. Yeah. By the way, yeah. And then uh, Peter Whitaker owns Whitaker Mountaineering. Louis Whitaker's son. He was our one of our other guides, and a young yet unknown guide. I think maybe her first or second season. Melissa Arnott was one oh, of the no, other guides. No the, way. <laughs> at the time, she's just you know like a junior guide, yeah. right? So kind of funny what she went on to do. But anyway, we're high. So this was with Timberland because we sponsored uh, Ed. And so we're high up on Rainier on the day we're going for the summit. And one of, I won't say his name. I don't want to embarrass him. Uh, but kind of, you know, early sun's coming up. We're pretty high in the mountain. It's pretty windy. And, you know, he had to go poop. And so, you know, this guy kind of goes over. And and I got to think in hindsight that this is, he, he was rushing things. Because, number one, we were high on the mountain. We were going for the summit. He's got his boss and his boss's boss up there with him. And Ed Veesters and Peter Whitaker, right? And we're all giving him shit, like, come on, man, let's go. Like, let's let's get this done. And I don't know if he did a I think they the bags were kind of like kind of like a coffee bag, you know, where it's like like the almost like the the hard wired thing that you roll yeah, and you then roll clamp it, it shut. Okay. Yeah, he didn't close that bag off really well. And uh and that thing it leaked everywhere. Oh <laughs> in his own pack? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. How'd you and guys find out? Get, like, how'd you, how'd you figure it out? Cause it started to smell. Oh. 
<laughs> then, but then we get down and we made fun, so much fun of him. And he was doing the right thing, but that's 2006. I don't think we were thinking about things the same way. We get down and he starts like washing it out to like travel home. We're like, no, nah, man, you throw that away. Yeah, like, that's gone. That thing is, that thing's Isn't done. that funny how the, that immediately that's just done? That's garbage. It doesn't matter what it was. Well, that's so one when, when my one friend called to remind me of this happening. Um, and I'm like, actually, in hindsight, like washing it out is obviously the correct thing to do, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, whatever, it'll be, it's, it'll be fine, you know? At the same time, I couldn't have gotten that thing in a dumpster fast enough if it, if it had been my bag. God. My bag it, is, it is pretty astounding how well, like, the, 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 I mean, I've never used a, a bag that had that kind of a closure. Usually they just have, like, the big, crazy zip, like, the Ziploc kind of sliding, right? That is, um, closure. And that works so good. I mean, I don't want to get too far into it, but you know, like if I'm camping for a few days or something, like you know, there'd be a few of those in, in the back of the truck, and like you wouldn't know it, like right. I mean, yeah, it's amazing how well, and then until you find like a garbage can somewhere. No, that's why I think he. But even the ones that we had that weren't that, I, I, I think he was probably rushing it. I think it was yeah. just that it was that pressure of like, hey, we all want to get moving here, um, and it could happen to any of us. I mean, no, you know, it's not ideal. It wasn't like he was saving it for high on the mountain, right? Just sort of yeah, like right. it's not the spot you really want to be in uh, when that happens. But uh, yeah, that was well, rough. Well. That was rough for my guy. Well, we're recording this on Friday, February twenty third, which means we made it to the weekend, and it means it's also time for America's favorite podcast segment. What is Justin doing this weekend? Presented by Long Weekend Coffee. Where should I put the guitar? Should the guitar go right there? I think it goes be right after, there. Right after. Or should say, hey, Justin America wants to know, guitar, mm. what are you doing this weekend? I guess weekend? either way. Or you think it goes? Works. I think it goes. I think right after Long Weekend makes the most sense. Presented by Long Weekend Coffee. So Justin America wants to know, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm going to become a sun, a sun uh, worshiper. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to the sun. I'm going to... Uh, Whatever that entails, I'm going to uh, build a shrine and uh, make some sacrifices and uh, celebrate the fact that you can see the sun for the first time in, as far as I could tell, uh, a year <laughs> up at my house. <laughs> it has uh, been a wet, gray winter so far, and it's actually supposed to be super nice this weekend. So I'm trying to I'm going to do try to do everything: squeezing a surf, squeezing a ride, squeezing a hike. I thought about going camping tomorrow, but there's just no way to make that happen this fast. But uh, my God, I just, I, if there's a way for me to like get closer to the sun, I might just climb something just to be a little bit closer to it. All right. Well, what is Justin doing this weekend is presented by Long Weekend Coffee. You can't start your daily adventures without a good cup of coffee. And the best cup of Long Weekend Coffee is their secret handshake blend. Head over to Long Weekend Co- longweekend.coffee, add like 257 bags of secret handshake to your cart, <laughs> and enter the code ROCK10. At checkout for ten percent off your first order. That would be a big savings if you did order two hundred and fifty seven. That's kind of why I'm thinking of it. Just like just crush it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, long weekend coffee, more weekend please. So we're going to start our headlines today with a wildlife encounter. This is coming I'm to us so from glad CBS. This is on your, this is on the the. Uh, it is. I didn't know if you would be into this one. Yeah, I was going to send it. to Okay, you. so CBS reported uh, this week that five cyclists in Falls City, Washington, were attacked by a cougar, and it resulted in one of the cyclists, an adult female, needing attention at a local hospital. According to the Washington Fish and Wildlife Department, the five cyclists were on a road when the attack occurred. Fish and Wildlife officials removed a 75-pound male cougar after arriving on the scene. Apparently, there may have been another one, but they couldn't they couldn't find it. Uh, and they took that cat for further testing. I don't know if that means they dead or alive, but they're doing testing on it to see if they can determine the cause of attack. Like, was it in poor condition? Was it diseased, et cetera? So, you know, uh, we've talked quite a bit recently about bear and shark attacks. 
I mean, does something like this kind of give you pause when considering your outdoor plans? Like, you know, why, why, or why were you excited to talk about it? Uh, I don't know. Something about it's actually mountain lion specific because uh, I don't really. I mean, sharks. I guess I'm actually afraid of, and will make a. Uh, I will make decisions based on my fear of sharks in terms of where I may or may not get in the ocean. So that, like, I guess there's, but even still, the mountain lion one feels like the most logical <laughs> problem I might face. I guess I, I'm not sure why that is, but uh, I'm more afraid of mountain lion attacks than I would be anything else. Because like, they're coming after you. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the shark thing, we know that they're typically not, if they bite you, they swim away. They don't want you, right? It's an accident. You know, it sucks if it happens, obviously, and people die. So, like, not, not making light of it, but it's not, they're not out there seeking us out. I mean, bears are kind of even the same thing. Like, you come across a bear, yeah, it's bad, but they're not like, hey, man, let's go find the fucking people today, right? Mountain lions are like, hey, we might be coming for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And, like, there were, there were, like, five people, and it's still, yeah, like, that's incredible. Like, all the things that you think that would keep you safe, you're like, well... I'm pretty big. Uh, I'm being loud. All the things that like bears don't want to deal with, uh, right. and like presumably sharks either, really, because you could probably startle a shark away if it like thinks you're big or whatever. But anyway, all these things don't—they just don't seem to work. Like mount, I, you know what it is? Because mountain lion attacks always seem bizarre. It's always like this. It's always like right. there's, there's five people and it jumped on one from a tree, or it's like a runner and they heard something behind them. There's a freaking mountain lion running after them. It's never like. It's never like you walked yeah. around a corner and there was a mountain lion and, and you scared it, it scared you, didn't scratch you, ran away. It's always like this horror movie moment. I mean, five yeah, people? You, you, yeah, you read the headline for a bear, even a grizzly, and it's like you can almost like, person encountered a grizzly, you can kind of fill in the blanks, right? Yeah. You, you can mad libbits and mad, you know, be like, this is what happened. This is, yeah, five people. So This isn't just the errant, this wasn't like a little kid on a tricycle out by himself, right? I mean, this is like, a defenseless thing. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Part of the reason I said mountain lions are the ones that kind of freak me out the most is those are, I guess I will sometimes do this with sharks where uh, if I'm surfing in a spot that I have, I don't surf often or it just, there's, there's been moments where you just paddle in, you get a weird feeling. You're like, mm, I don't, this feels wrong. And you paddle in. Um, that happens with mountain lions a lot to me. Uh, Cause most like based on our last, you know, so I, I do most of my outdoor activities in the afternoon, late afternoon. Right. And so, uh, which is, I think, with the most active, and I'm usually by myself. And so, there are definitely times where I'm hiking around here, and it's like getting dark, um, and I'm like, "This is this is the moment. This is this is when this is when people get jumped." And right. uh, and I have that. You get that like hair on the back of your neck, and this happens quite a lot. And you can't yeah. see them. Like if you see one, it's because it's coming for you. Like it's not. You can't. You're not going to see it before it sees you. I uh, I mean, I've never seen one in in the wild, but there's also uh, there's a great mountain lion exhibit at the Oakland Zoo and it's kind of our mm. favorite thing to go to and uh, those freakers are freakers freakers is a cool we should <laughs> incorporate that we should make that happen uh, freakers is a cool word uh, those freaking things are huge like, a, like yeah. an adult yeah. full size mountain lion is big and their paws are like the size of an iPad like they're, they're <laughs> absolutely giant and I, I don't know they, they freak I, I respect the hell out of them they freak me out I'm so glad they're around like it makes the place feel wilder to me um I'm always fascinated by a mountain lion attack. She lived, though, right? She did. I haven't heard an update on what exactly, but apparently I don't think there were life-threatening in injuries. I mean, the, the thing that freaked me out was the proximity to where Fall City is. So Fall City is like 30 minutes from Seattle, right? And it's like less than 10 minutes away from this really well-known uh, mountain bike park called Duthie Hill. Like, it's just one of those, like, oh, yeah. you're going to Duthie kind of like, it's one of those mountain bike destinations if you live in the Seattle area. Like, just south of Fall City is this trail network called Tiger Mountain. I used to go to Tiger Mountain, like, all the time and do these really kind of, like, long trail runs when I was, like, training for stuff there. So, 
this is like right in the heart of where people live. This is like Seattle commuter country, right? Yeah. This isn't like they were way up in the Cascades, you know, uh, and this kind of thing happened where they, they pissed off this cat. So that kind of freaks me out almost a little bit more uh, when it's like around where people are. Well, have you heard about the um, fact that coyotes and uh, wolves ha- have like started to breed? Nice, like super feral dogs. Or, like, what's well, going on? so like, there's, um, I don't remember if this is like, easy or it's not supposed to happen uh but i uh it's been happening a little bit and there was a woman attacked i think in michigan like a few years ago Mm. by by like an offspring and so they have they're bigger than coyotes but they have the kind of um like a you know you know like coyotes are just like around people like so they're just i see them like almost every day and they're like they'll come up and check you out so it's like a it's like that but size of a wolf and that to me is a bit gnarly like there's a lot of coyotes around here too and Every time I see a coyote, I'm like, I know there's like 10 more of you. That's probably enough to take me down. Like 10 coyotes if they wanted to. Oh, I think it's more than enough. Right? Right? I mean, yeah, I, 10 coyotes, that's a lot. I think what, six of them, he's hanging back, like waiting for the scraps, you know? Like, it, it's, but they don't. Like I've been on, I've been on like bike rides <laughs> where you're like riding and you like see a couple on this ridge, like right above you, like 20 feet from you, just yeah, looking at yeah. you. And you're like. Think, well, what are they thinking? What's up, boys? Girls? <laughs> you good? Are we okay? Gotta keep going? <laughs> I mean, that's why we live here, you know. I mean, the urban, the urban wildlife interface. Like this, this thing. Ha- this is why we live here. Well, moving in industry news, there's been a lot of reporting lately about the financial woes of kind of big outdoor and active conglomerates and brands like VF and Deckers and Wolverine. And I, a few people have asked me if I'm going to weigh in on it, and I don't like have a lot to say. I think it's mostly just kind of typical business bullshit. There's just all mostly examples of poor management uh, or leadership or poor planning. Or kind of all of the above. And then there's some wins, too. Like, uh, New Balance came out yesterday that they had a great year. So it's not just all market forces. It's definitely, you know, some issues at some of these places. But where I do think it is worth weighing in, especially with you, Justin, here, is in the news came out this week uh, from Bart Shaman over at The Daily about Wolverine, who, of course, is the parent company of brands like Chaco, Merrill, and Saucony, and is kind of looking to dust off the old lifestyle brand pay- playbook for Merrill and Saucony over the coming, coming months. During a call with investors, CEO Chris Huffnagel said... Regarding Merrill specifically, uh, he's quoted as saying, the future of the outdoor category is lighter and faster and more athletic and more versatile. And I just saw your skin clench up as you heard that (laughs) sentence, Justin. Uh, It's certainly predicated not just on function, but also style. Where we can work harder is really hitting that style piece and designing great looking shoes that are versatile. Not only that can be worn on the trail, but it also can be worn for everyday wear. So as a backpacking, hiking, and boot-loving journalist with a history and gear reviews... What's your current opinion of Merrill? Ah, wow! It just—I—I I thought you were going to talk about that—that that sort of transition in general. Oh, I, we are, but I want to—I want to start with how you, you know view Merrill. Now, I—I—I I, I don't ever think about Merrill. I mean, they—they mm-hmm. like—I never think about Merrill. I've had a pair of Merrills when I first got into backpacking that were fine, although they—they they yeah. weren't great. They were fine, but I guess I kind of already think of them in that way a little bit, like more lifestyley than 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 hardcore. Although I—I I imagine they make some pretty great stuff. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm happy to see them talk more lifestyle than like pivot, like hard into running. I think that's probably cause to your point, I think they're Tyler kind of seen by a lot of folks or not. I, I, I think of them as a, I guess I would say hiking brand first. Cause they kind of like, they kind of revolutionized these sort of lightweight, softer kind of hiking shoe as opposed to boots in that like kind of the two thousands. Yeah. And then of course they got known for the jungle mock. I don't know. I, I just like, this is what 
this just feels like the, the the easy kind of thing to say. Like, ah, we're going to make more lifestyle stuff. So basically, we're going to have the ability to sell more shoes, which is more fashion-driven than function-driven. I don't know if that's the right call for Merrill. So there was an article, like an op-ed written. I think it was in the Daily. Um, you may have seen it a couple last week or maybe the week before. And it was from a guy who owns a, a outdoor shop somewhere. And he oh, Wes w- Allen. He's actually going to come on the show uh, next month. Okay, did you do you know do you know the piece I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, Sunlight Sport and my sports and Wyoming. Okay, yeah. great. So like, I liked. I thought that piece was really interesting, mostly because as he's setting it up, he's basically talking about how um, we saw this huge shift with COVID, with people like going outdoors more and like people from all walks of life, and now now brands are getting a bit more representative in terms of uh, the, their staff and, and and their and their influencers and and everything that you see, and all that's really great. And I and I kind of thought he was going to say, therefore, like great, everybody needs to push into more of this lifestyle stuff. But then he kind of says, I, I'm guessing like his point is that, but that isn't probably going to last, right? Like this is like a thing people got into during COVID and like maybe aren't going to be like super serious about it down the road. Mm-hmm. And so they're mm-hmm. doubling down on ordering more hard hardcore stuff, boots, kayaks, that sort of stuff, rather than like appealing, like chasing the lifestyle thing. And I, when I read it, I, I, I went for a hike right afterward and was kind of trying to disagree with him, but I think he might, I, I, it's a it's a powerful argument, and like I do kind of think that like embracing it, it's it's a it feels like it's a um it's a short term thing, right? Like it feels like if Merrill's gonna yeah. like pivot even harder into just making like regular walking around shoes or or whatever, like okay, but then what are you, you know? And uh, you, and also that's not really. It just feels like it's 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 just it's chasing a trend rather than just being a, a, a quality product that is there for you when you need it. Um, yeah, which is what I would assume most brands kind of want to be, right? Even if you're making a bunch of different SKUs, a bunch of different things, you want to be known for like, okay, here's the thing. We're like rock solid on this, and you can always rely here's on this. What, here's why you exist to begin with. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. I, I I feel like any brand that's like making massive changes to all of a sudden embrace the fact that everybody decided to go hiking when they couldn't leave their house. Like those, I mean, those, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot more outdoor adherence now than there were in 2019, but I don't know that there's that how much longer, you know, that that's going to be the case. I mean, this this does read like a press release because, to your point, they already are kind of lifestyle right? I mean, I was like, who wears Merrells? I'm sure people who hike wear Merrells. I'm sure that also a lot of dads at Costco are wearing Merrells too. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I does like I, I'm sincere saying I'd I'm so I thought maybe they'd be like, oh, we're going to really double down on the trail glove, which is their like low volume kind of barefoot runner. And we're going to become like the next great running brand kind of thing. And it's like that, that's not going to work either. That's not who you are. I think it's interesting you bring up Wes's piece, too. I think that I like that point of view because, you know, for the long the, the outdoor industry kind of grew on the back of lifestyle apparel. Right. It's like we all get known to your point. We're known for this thing. But then we're also going to sell trucker caps and T-shirts and have like, you know, the you know, the the more everyday version of the thing. And that's what's going to really allow us to flourish as opposed to just sell to the hardcore audience. And but now you can kind of get that stuff from a lot of different people. And I don't know if the brands are as important anymore. I mean, like because there's not a lot of difference between getting some stuff like that at a off the, sh- you know, a, a kind of a regular, a, I don't know, an unknown brand at Kohl's yeah. than there is at the, at the, at the gear shop. And if you're going to, if you own a gear shop and I'm, I believe in Wes's uh, piece, he was talking, kind of talking to his fellow gear shop owners. Right. It's like, Hey, double down on being a gear shop. Right. right. I mean, that's what you are. Yeah. Um, you know, the Sockety piece of this is interesting because it also got mentioned by Huffnagel in the same piece about, you know, there, there's upside in the lifestyle front. And I don't like that as much. I think like First of all, running shoes are lifestyle shoes yeah. anyway. I mean, most shoes—it's a—it's a staggering percentage. I forget the exact number of the amount of shoes that don't get 
running shoes that get bought to not run in. It's a really high number. And I, I just, you know, and I get it. You're trying to solve problems, you know, Christoph Nagel and, and Wolverine, and you're having financial issues. You got to find ways to prove to people that like, here's where we're going to get the money from. But I personally would rather just say Saucony be a really cool, like sick run brand than, you know, try and see them like, we're going to go be with Nike about the, you know, the shoes that, you know, moms and dads and business travelers wear, you yeah. know? So I, I mean, I know he's saying what he has to say, but I, I thought this was interesting because I know you're a boot guy. So I was kind of definitely curious what you were interested in as Mara was as a boot brand. But it's, so it's kind of funny, like you don't even think of them as a boot brand. No, and I point. suppose they do make boots. I mean, the the shoes I had were kind of boots, but I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, obviously I do some, I do some work for Keen, so I, I know their products pretty well, but I mean, they make like burly rad boots too. I mean, in some ways you could probably compare Keen and Merrill, um, in terms of, mm. uh, maybe their positioning or something like that. But like Keen stuff is like, they make rock solid boots, uh, hiking and otherwise. So they could also make a badass sandal. I don't know if Merrill does that with boots. It's, um, but again, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's not enough, there's not like a, I feel like there's, there's probably room for more boot competition than there is lifestyle running shoe type competition right because everybody makes those but yeah. you know people when people ask me questions about what shoes to get they're never asking me about trail runners like people like you know friends neighbors are always like well, hey what do you think of these boots like all the time and it's always like the same three or four brands so but it's is, you know never merrill's unfortunately is that because you like punch people in the face who hike in trail yeah. runners or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck you hey, i've been trail i've been trail running a little bit lately uh so i've you know stop in your boots though right <laughs> yep you 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 can't, set yeah, a precedent. You, can't you hear me? As, wait, all the way down there in San Diego, just yes. clomp, clomp, clomp. What, what is, is that, that noise? Are we having an sound? earthquake? What's yeah, happening? I can almost feel. I can almost like feel someone's cartilage being like shredded, like hundreds of miles away. Hey, next thing I want to talk about is this high altitude stand up paddleboard record that was set. And according to Gear Junkie, on J- January twenty third, Seattle based alpinist Andrew Hughes set a record for the highest elevation recorded while out on a stand up paddleboard. Uh, he paddled at nineteen thousand feet on an alpine lake. On the Tres Cruces Norte, a desert, a desert plateau in the West Andes that has a sizable freshwater lake. He's mostly known, uh, this guy Hughes is mostly known as a mountaineer. He's climbed the seven summits and he was quoted as saying, FKT and records are just entry points into deepening my relationships with the mountains. It's really just an excuse to explore new places and expand my experiences. I don't know. What do you think about something like this? I mean, do we really need a press release about it? Was it just, you know, I guess I assume he's going to use it to leverage sponsors. I, 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 it was kind of cool, you know, but also it was a little like, hey, I want Santa paddleboarding on this lake. <laughs> yeah, I. it's obviously a sponsor push. I mean, what else What else is there to say for yeah. him? I mean, we had to haul it up, but it's also, they're inflatable boards now. It's not that hard to kind of haul these, that kind of around. These, I get these press releases all the time, and it's like, so-and-so is the first to do this one obscure thing that doesn't seem like it should really be that big of a thing. And it's like, okay, all right. I have to think about it for a few minutes. Okay, so he's paddleboarded at 19,000 feet. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's high. I mean, I mean like the, I'm mean, i sure the experience is rad. I mean, like, can, I would can, love that, be the, that experience. can that be the press release? Like, hey, uh, John had a really good time. That's it. Like John or whatever his name is, you know, went up to a lake, power around, had a bl- absolute blast. And that's, I mean, it's Andrew, Andrew, like that's it. Like what else? I don't know. Like, I guess he's going to get like, is a Hobie going to sponsor him or whoever makes stand-up paddle boards going to be like, I think it was right. Isle was that was, who was in the release. Isle. And that's a good point. Cause I also, but even if it was just like a self-serving press release from the paddleboard company or whatever, or for his own personal brand, I wanted to kind of hear about like, what, what did he do? Did he like, did he get two paddle strokes? He's like, sweet, it's high up here. I'm going to go lay down now. Or did he like paddle across the <laughs> yeah, lake? Was it I mean, freezing? Just, was it just it was the obviously act pretty of cold. paddling? 
had to have been really cold. Yeah, well, I think he's, he had shorts on in some of the photos. I mean, it was it was definitely, um, I think it, it was, well, it's, it's summer down there. So it's still, 19,000 feet is pretty damn high. Yeah, that's high. high. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he climbed, like, a, a neighboring mountain as well. So, hey, the last story, uh, according to New Hampshire Public Radio, last weekend a hiker had to be rescued on Mount Washington in New Hampshire and also caught an earful about it from search and rescue after he admitted that he was unprepared while up on the mountain. Cole Mathis set out on the Amanusa Green Trail. It is a good name. Maybe he thought, maybe some overconfidence there because he's like, I, I know I this definitely name. think so. Yeah. So he went up on the Cole Mathis. <laughs> Cole Mathis can't be hurt. <laughs> so the Amanusic Ravine Trail, it's mostly above Treeline Trail. Uh, it climbs 4,200 feet in about four and a half miles. It's steep Oof. and burly. Um, and it's really? I, that's, uh, a, yeah. that's, that's awful. It, and it's, and it's, this is Northeast Trail. There's that's no not a trail. Marks. That's climbing. 4,200 feet in four miles? It goes forward. It's a nine mile out and back. And so it's, and it's like straight up. And, uh, and this is, you know, in the presidential range, which is above treeline. And, mo- and the, the, it's, I think this is the one that one of these, this might be the trail where like the trailhead is kind of close to treeline too. So like, it's pretty exposed. Um, while he was up there, he encountered whiteout conditions, 90 plus mile an hour power winds, took a break with some other hikers outside the Lake of the Cluds AMC hut. It's like right around, it sits like right on a saddle just below the summit I'm sorry, of wait, the mountain. Lake of, Lake of the Cluds? Did I say clouds? Lake yeah. of the clouds. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I would have been editing this later and been so mad at myself Lake that I said clouds. I was like, God, that's the ugliest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Have you been to the clud? <laughs> um, they encouraged him to turn back and he didn't. Uh, then later on, he took a tumble, kind of hurt his ankle and had to call for a rescue. Now, uh, search and rescue, search and rescue actually utilized the famous Mount Washington Cog Railway for three trips up and down the mountain. Yeah, all told, had eleven rescuers helping to facilitate getting the getting Mathis wow. down because it was because of the conditions. They basically had to go Karen to Karen, and so they would have somebody stay at one, put someone in the middle, and then someone go find the next one to try and find the trail so they could find this guy. So New Hampshire Search and Rescue will charge hikers for the cost of their rescue if it's deemed if it's deemed they were unpre- underprepared. Uh, they have not yet decided if Mathis will be charged. You know, I don't know how much we want to talk about our boy Cole Mathis, but. I kind of would ask you, like, where, where is your fuck this I'm turning back point? Because mine's remarkably low. I think yeah. if I was at that trailhead or, like I said, it's not above tree line, but pretty close. If you got the tree line and it was blowing like that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm done. If <laughs> I'm by around. myself, it's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. I get there fast. Yeah. I don't, I don't, if it's, if it's, it only takes one other person though to be like, oh, okay. You know, and then like you're both, okay you're both committed until, the, until your death. But, um, yeah, I don't. I don't ha- I don't suffer from overconfidence in those situations. Neither you know do I. I. Mean? Like that's never been an issue. I don't think. I don't know. It's possible that I've like bit off more than I can chew. But I, you learn. That's like a skill to learn. I think it's different if you're trying to summit something and you like put a lot of time and effort into thinking about how you're going to do it. It's going to be crushing if you can't. I mean, that's kind of a different thing. But if you're just like going out to, to like have a day, have a little adventure, it's pretty easy to just be like, you know, okay, this feels like I've gone far enough, and just to turn around, like. I don't regret turning around ever anymore. I used to. I'd never do now. Uh, Patty and I were talking about this with the avalanche thing and kind of – and I, I get why people – they get the objective or they want what they went out to do. I understand why people don't. This In this kind of instance though, so I've, I, I've been where he was. And so Lake of, the, Lake of the Clouds is about a mile from the summit. It's fully on the saddle and exposed. And I get – you get I understand having you know summit fever. But again, you can't see – you can't see the trail. It's above tree. There's no – markers on trees right there's no yeah. protection as soon as i from saw the them, i would leave yeah and just like and even if like you said like if we were solo 
um, pretty early on, probably wouldn't even gotten that far. But even if like you and I were together, if we got to that hut, we'd probably be like, Hey man, let's, let's just cut our losses. I mean, the first time I ever really turned around. So there's the presidential range is about 26 miles long. And it's kind of a thing to do it in a day. And the yeah. first time I tried to do this with a group, we got up, it's at the other end of the range from where he was, but it was shitty. It was like, it was like 38 and rainy and, you know, potential thunderstorms coming. It was in the summertime. And we got to the, you know, there's a hut at that end too. And I, I got up, I'm like, Hey, I'm done. Like, this is just yeah. fun. I'm just this, I'm just not enjoying myself. Everyone's like, wow, we could keep going. I'm like, yeah, we could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm not gonna. Well, yeah. So, the enjoying yourself thing is really all kind of all that matters. Um, right. And it's, that's a, that's a tough one to learn. I was just talking about this with somebody recently. I can't remember who, but, um, it's so hard when you're with other people to be like, I'm not comfortable with this. Um, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Like that is such a hard thing to do. It's a, is it with the elements are bad though? Like, I don't know if you're just kind of feeling tired. It's one thing, if it's a personal reason, maybe I'd feel worse about it, but if it's just like objectively bad, like, I don't think it's bad to say like, ah, this sucks. Let's go. Home. Well, yeah. Um, and they, it, well, you know, totally. Cause well then uh, also that leaves the opportunity for the people you're with to be like, no, it's actually fine. You're like, oh, okay. You know, cause maybe you're just overreacting. I don't know. I, yeah. I do love the, I don't know how many states have it, but the, the pay for your own rescue, if, if it's deemed you were not prepared for totally. what you set out to do. That's a tough one. I mean, I've, I've written about this before. Like how in the world do you decide that? I mean, yeah, that's a good question. like, how do you know the person's not just like, all right, maybe they're just dumb. They say that like search and rescue apparently made commented on it and he admitted that he wasn't prepared. So I was kind of like, where, okay, was he wearing like a Metallica t-shirt and blue jeans? Right. Like what, what, what did that mean? You know, but also, like, what, like, what if you on? just don't know? Like, does that still like, you have to, you have to like just prove that like you knew that you were supposed to have all this stuff and you didn't. I mean, well, and this is why, I think this is why New Hampshire has it because these mountains are pretty accessible and it's like, it's like a right. two and a half hour drive from Boston. People think they can go up. This one, though, pretty egregious. I mean, you're talking 90, like, come on, like 11 yeah. people took their run in the cog railway up and down the mountain looking for you. Like, you should not have been up there if you, if you're like, I wasn't prepared. And it's, if you, even if you were up there, you shouldn't have gone as far as you did. I mean, other people are going, hey, you should probably turn back. I'd love to hear from the people who told him to turn back. <laughs> what did they see? You know? So one of my fears is that I'll be out doing something by myself and I'll have like my in reach and something bad will happen and I'll be like staring at that SOS button and I'll be like, and they're going to find me dead looking yeah. at the inReach with my finger hovering over it. And you're going to be able to tell like, <laughs> oh, he wasn't sure if he should push the button because it's like, I don't, can I make it out? Like, do I, like, I guess, you know, I think you yeah, probably. Is it more wouldn't. embarrassing to have died if you could be aware that you died and not press the button or to press the button and have it turned out? Ah, I didn't really need to press the button. Right. Oh, there was Which just, is worse. There, yeah. Right. There's a trail. You're five feet from the trail, you know, like, or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just, that's because I just, I, I would, I like would feel so shitty about putting somebody in a position where they had to like come up a yeah. mountain at night yeah. to try to find me. Uh, yeah. I don't well, know. that's it. I mean, I think all of these things that you get those raw emotions, there's the embarrassment. Embarrassment probably doesn't get talked enough about when it comes oh, yeah. to backcountry tragedy, like why stuff happens or doesn't happen. Right. Like I didn't, I was embarrassed about it. I didn't want to put someone out. Those kinds of things. That's got to be a huge percentage of the of, of huge casualties in the backcountry have to be straight up because of that. Have to be. Well, g- good luck, Cole Mathis. Hopefully, you go to your local Eastern Mountain Sports and uh, get get a good kit for the next time you try to summit Mount Washington in the winter. Just stick to NASCAR, Cole Mathis. <laughs> 
It's cold tri- is that Tom Cruise? Cold yeah. trickle. But it's it's a good or like a you know relief pitcher, Cole Mathis. Let's bring bring me bring me Mathis. You know. Do you remember that there was Dick Trickle was a uh, oh yeah was a NASCAR real driver. real yeah yeah. And every time, no matter where he placed, Dan Dan Patrick would would uh, report where he finished on Sports Center. <laughs> I love like that. coming in like eighty six or whatever it was cold. Dick it was Trickle. Dick trickle. <laughs> but incredible. That's all I got, man. What's uh what's going on? We got to see the new AJ cover this week. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Have you guys had a biker on the cover before? Yeah, we have. We've had a few. Not a ton, okay. but we've had a few. All right, man. Well, that's it here for here on the Rock Bite this week. Please hit that follow button wherever you're listening to subscribe to the show. Send your emails on any of the things we talked about today or at all this week to myrockbite at gmail.com. Lastly, open up that podcast app. Give us a five-star review. The Rock Bite's a production of Rock Bite LLC. For Justin Hausman, I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out and into the future, a future where punk rock rules the outdoor scene and jam bands are nothing more than a relic of the past. It's Krista Makes with the Rock Fight Fight song. We'll see you next time, Rock Fighters. Rock fight.